I'd like to call to order the Eagle Valley Transit Authority board meeting for Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Um, there are some folks that are attending on Zoom. And uh, because we do have one board member um, attending on Zoom, all of our votes will be taken by roll call. Um, with that, I'd like to start with a roll call. Director Amy Phillips from Town of Avon. Present. Director Dave Ihope from Beaver Creek Metro District. Present. Director Deanie McQueenie from Eagle County. Here. Director Earl Bides from Town of Mentorn. Present. Director Nick Sunday from Town of Eagle. Here. Director Dana Biljasic from um, Town of Redcliffe. Here. Director Barry Davis from Town of Bell. Here on Zoom. Thank you for that. Um, our next item is an approval of the agenda. Does any, go ahead. Sorry, before that I just want to say for everybody that's present, if you could um, sign up on the sign up sheet that's on the table in front of the door, that will be great. I just want to make sure I have everybody that's here on the minutes and um, your names correctly. Um, and then also for the Zoom, for whoever is on Zoom, I just wanted to let you know that we have a regular meeting this time, which means I am not, um, able to let you speak or not, so please be respectful about that. If you would like to speak, raise your hand. I will call your name, and then you will be able to um, have your public comment. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, the approval of the agenda, does anyone on the board have any changes to our agenda? No. Would somebody like to motion for an approval? Motion to approve the agenda. Second. We've got a motion and a second. Could I have a roll call vote? Do we have the vote for Director Amy Phillips from Town of Avon? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Dave Eihol from Beaver Creek Metro District? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Jenny McQueenie from Eagle County? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Earl Bides from Town of Minter? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Nick Sunday from Town of Eagle? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Dana Viljasic from Town of Redcliffe? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Barry Davis for Town of Bell? Yes. Thank you for that. Our next item is an approval of the minutes and the financial statement um, as presented in the packet. Does anybody have any questions with regard to the financial statements, payable list, or the minutes? Hearing none, do I have a motion for approval of all three items? So moved. Second. We've got a motion and a second. If I could have a roll call vote, please. Do we have the vote for Director Amy Phillips from Town of Avon? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Dave Heihel from Beaver Creek Metro District? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Jeannie McQueenie from Eagle County? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Earl Bides from Town of Mentor? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Nick Sunday from Town of Eagle? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Dana Jasic from Town of Redcliffe? Yes. Do we have the vote for Director Barry Davis from Town of Bell? Yes. Thank you for that. Um, our next item, and before we get to our next item, um, I'm just going to go over how the Eagle Valley Transit Authority is going to be handling public comment. Um, as I think most people are aware, um, all of us are elected representatives from different jurisdictions, and each of the jurisdictions have a slightly different way that they handle public comment. Um, how the this board has agreed is that what we will be doing is we will take public comment 
on items of action that the board will be voting on. So for today, that is gonna be items five, six, and seven. Item five is the Eagle Air Alliance update. Item six is the Eco Transit winter update and seasonal fare discussion. And item seven is the 2024 initial budget presentation. Um, so, so if anybody in the room would like to make comment on those individual items, you will be given an opportunity to do so after the presentation by the speaker and before the board um, has discussion and takes action on each item. That way we can um, listen to our public and uh, let that inform our decisions. So we appreciate all the members of the public that are here, both in person and on Zoom. Um, the public comment itself on each topic, you will be permitted three minutes. Um, it is a public comment. It is not necessarily a question and answer. Um, however, at the conclusion, by the conclusion of the meeting, any questions that um, the public has brought to our attention, we will either put on a future agenda or you know, take some other action with regard to those items. Um, each one of the board members will take notes on their own with regard to your comments. Um, and we do look forward to public comment. Um, before we get to the actual meat of the agenda, we also have item four, which is just a general public comment. So if you have something that is not related to the Eagle Air Alliance, the 2023 and four, uh, update and seasonal fair discussion or the 2024 budget. Um, please come to the podium, state your name, and please let us um, know. You will have three minutes. And uh, I think before I open public comment, I believe um, Commissioner Sunday would like to say a few words. Thank you for that. Um, I asked Chairwoman Phillips if I could have a couple words just before the meeting. Um, as many of you know, I'm up for re-election this year, so this may actually be my last meeting. And so I wanted to kind of, I'm hoping it's not, but um, I wanted to uh, state a few words to the board, maybe some um, tidbits of wisdom from my point of view um, before, just in case. Um, so I think as our board, we need to think differently. I think we're thinking of where the tax revenue is generated, not who is generating the tax revenue. 72% um, of Eagles employees travel up Valley for work. That means they're coming up supporting Vail, supporting Avon, supporting Beaver Creek, supporting Edwards. So the way I look at it is Down Valley residents are actually creating more tax revenue than, than we get credit for. I can almost guarantee that less than 1% of Beaver Creek's employees actually live in Beaver Creek. So for us, I want us to think differently. Um, if we truly want to make an environmental impact, the best way to do that is to reduce VMTs, vehicle miles traveled. And how do we do that? You get the people furthest away up Valley. When we talk about affordable housing, think about how much money that could save a, a family coming from up Valley. That's three to $400 per person that drives their own car. If you get a family of five and two of those individuals take the bus instead of driving, they're saving up to 800 or even $1,000 just in gas and in, in car expenses by taking the bus. 
that goes back in their pocket, which then makes housing a little more affordable. Um, so I think that we need to, and this is just my opinion, but I believe we need to start looking at it down valley and work ourselves up. We are the heart, we are the employees, we are the locals. We pay the tax year round. We don't pay the tax for a week when we visit over Christmas. So we're paying it on groceries, we're paying it on everything we buy online. Um, so I just want this board moving forward to start thinking about that. And I appreciate the time, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, with that, are there any members of the public that would like to come and say a few words? If so, either raise your hand if you're on Zoom or come to the podium. There is a button that will turn the green light on at the podium. Um, and I am happy to take any public input on items not included in the Air Alliance, the winter schedule, as well as our initial 2024 bud budget presentation. So if you want to go ahead and come on up to the podium, if you want, um, if it's specific to one of those items, you'll get another opportunity. Um, if it's something very broad-based in ge general, if you would press the button, turn the green light on, and then state your name and spell your last name for the record, that would be terrific. It's in the middle. There we go. There we go. And you can leave the podium mic on after you depart. Okay. Um. Let me just get my and I just would like to say, I will remind Amy when you have 30 seconds left. So I will okay. raise my hand. I got a timer. Oh, perfect. And yeah. I will raise this 30 <laughs> seconds. So just, just so you know. But timer is perfect. Thank you. No problem. Cool. Uh, Tim McMahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N. Um, first off, thanks for letting me speak. Uh, my attire matches the absurdity that's been happening with this authority so far. First of all, a noon meeting on a Wednesday is an awful time for people that actually use the bus to come and try to give their input. Um, I had to get my double covered at Cantina, so I'm losing like $300 to come here and speak. Um, and I've just got a bunch of points, a couple questions, trying to go through it quick, so I only got 2.30 left. Um, stop spending money and making decisions without input from us. Currently, you have seven board members that all have other duties, mayors, town council members, um, and one full-time employee. Um, the skier shuttle benefits VR. You know, and they're bragging about how they're getting 31% profit margin this year. That's bullshit. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to cuss. I'm bartender, so. Um, how much money does VR actually put into this fund? Um, cheaper flights doesn't help the locals at all. Um, all the locals that it would benefit are too short staffed to take vacations anyways unless we close our restaurants. Um, do any of you guys ride the bus? Uh, bus drivers are nervous because of the benefits. We don't have a benefits package manager yet, so no one knows what the fuck's going on. Um, to your principles on your, let's see here. Sorry, I'm a little bit passionate about this, if you can't tell. Um, we'll switch that real quick. SP Plus that you guys subcontracted out. Um, they're hiring for $23 an hour. You had to bring a CL, they're not doing housing. They're actually hiring in Valley in the Vale Daily and on Facebook. Um, so they're actually competing with Ecotransit, Avon, and Town of Vale for drivers. Plus those three people offer between four and six dollars an hour more. Um, they pay to train, you get your CDL, and they also offer housing. Um, oh, here we go. EBTA Board of Directors Operating Principles. One of them says, be transparent. And right now, you guys haven't done anything as far as getting the opinion of the constituents. Um, and then surveys, nothing about that. Um, your last one's about measuring the, uh, with customer feedback. Still haven't got any of that. Um, let's see here. 
One thing you guys could try to try the EcoTransit app, do a survey on that so you can figure out what the bus riders want. It's supposed to benefit them. Um, QR code at the pay station for you know people that don't have that app. Um, and maybe before we do anything else, like hire staff, conduct research what the taxpayers and bus riders want. Um, I don't understand what the rush is. When it was sold, it was supposed to start in 2024, not this year. Um, thank you for all your time, and remember that you guys are elected, and I am not. Thank you very much for that input. Um, and you will be able to speak on a couple of those items again after you see the presentations. Is there anyone else in the room that would like to s speak to the board? Please come to the podium, state your name, and spell your last name if you would. Hi, my name is Kristen Hartel, H-A-R-T-E-L. Um, I live in Eagle. I also just first wanted to start off taking an opportunity to thank you all. I know this is above and beyond your standard elected official commitment. I know it's a lot of time and you're putting a lot of work and investment into your community. So I just wanted to take a minute to thank you. Um, I also wanted to focus on the intent of the EBTA that's, that's uh, published on the website. That is regional collaboration to help the transportation, mobility, workforce, and climate needs of the Valley. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am the board president for the Palmer Fund in Eagle. I'm also a lead certification reviewer for the U.S. Green Building Council. Um, I recently did a lot of climate modeling and strategic planning for Net Zero for Eagle's Net Zero Action Plan. Um, out of that came this data point that transportation represents about 47% of Eagle's greenhouse gas emissions. Roughly 60% of these emissions are from commuting in and out of the town of Eagle. It's vital to prioritize regional efforts for public transportation and zero emissions mobility in order to support the intent of the EBTA. Furthermore, since Eagle taxpayers contribute to the regional EBTA and current EcoBus system, it's critical that Eagle receives the same share of benefits and services as the rest of the Valley. Advancing transportation access is also key to promoting equity in our community. Reducing VMTs or vehicle miles traveled in gasoline and diesel fueled vehicles is the number one strategy for reducing greenhouse gas emissions in Eagle. Expanding public, public transit options from Eagle to Up Valley is vital to reducing VMTs and addressing the transportation, mobility, and climate needs of our community, which is the focus of the EBTA. Many members of our community commute east or west daily for work, recreation, school, or economic, and invest, economic investment. Current public transportation options out of Eagle are inconvenient, unreliable, and not cost-effective. The population growth in Eagle also shows the need for free, frequent, and public transportation from Eagle, and it's more important now than ever. So Eagle had the highest population growth in the county from 2000 to 2010, and the town doubled in size during this decade. We also had the second highest projected population growth from 2010 to 2020, only behind Gypsum, which is also Down Valley, obviously. All other incorporated towns in Eagle County have experienced negative or stagnant growth since 2010. Eagle is expected to capture almost a third of countywide growth by 2040. It's crucial to provide free, reliable, equitable bus transit and mass transit service from Eagle Up Valley to support this growing population. Municipal, municipalities and employers throughout Eagle County are relying on and investing in Eagle for affordable housing to serve the Valley. This shows that as the population in Eagle continues to grow and provide more accessible housing, it's critical that the EBTA prioritizes bus service. We're also seriously lagging in public transportation and, um, compared to other mountain communities. Other examples of western mountain communities that have free bus service include Crested Butte, Steamboat Springs, Telluride, Jackson Hole, Summit County, Aspen, Winter Park, Park City, Alta, and Snowboard. And Snowboard, we're home to many residents and visitors who work, play, and spend money throughout the county, and we're truly lagging in public transportation that supports that. Thank you Thank very you so much. much for hearing me. 
and your timing is excellent. I can tell you've done this before. <laughs> is there anyone else in the room that would like to speak on something of general interest to the board? If not, we'll go ahead and move on to Mr. Romer. All right, Chris Romer, um, President and CEO of Vail Valley Partnership. Um, today representing the EGE Air Alliance. I'm joined by Jody Donny from the Eagle County Regional Airport. Um, and Tanya, that's, there we go. Um, so if you, wanna, if you wanna scroll through for me. I know this was included in the board packet. Um, so we'll try and keep this relatively tight and leave time for you to answer questions. Um, the Air Alliance has been around um, for about 20 years focused on bringing additional service to the Eagle County Regional Airport, which obviously helps drive our economy um, and also helps our, our locals with uh, and second homeowners with transit in and out. Um, I would note, I think most of you know this, uh, but about half of our, half or more of our sales tax is driven by second homeowners and, and visitors. So this is a big part of driving the economy, which supports um, the local transit that we've heard talked about and I know is a, a, the huge majority focus of this board moving forward. Um, what we do at the Air Alliance, um, and we're happy to have a, a member of your board be joining our um, Air Alliance board as well. Uh, but we work with airlines to maintain our existing flights and importantly to secure new flights, new markets, and new airline partners into the Eagle County Regional Airport. A huge part of that is a minimum revenue guarantee program. It's a program that exists across the nation. Huge airports like Denver International utilizes minimum revenue guarantee programs. And most every single ski resort, airport, and resort market, beaches, et cetera, use minimum revenue guarantee. It is part of the, the airline um, and community regional airport business model. Um, so we use our, our funds to, um, as I said, attract those, those new and developing markets. We're going to talk a little bit about what, what some of those are um, and continue to work with our, our local agencies and, and private sector partners um, to attract a new service to Eagle County Regional Airport. So as we move forward, thanks, Tanya. The, that really should say 23, 24. Um, Target opportunities, you know, we, we work closely with the airport. They have an air service consultant that's paid for by Eagle County, um, Volair Aviation, and building those relationships, doing headquarter visits, um, attending trade shows to um, meet with airline partners and explore opportunities that come through. And again, with the goal being maintain the relationships that we have and grow new relationships. If you wanna keep going for me. Um, I'm going to let Jody talk for a little bit and then I'll, I'll come back for you. So a little bit from the airport's perspective. Thanks, Chris, and thank you guys for having us today. My name is Jody Downey. I'm the Terminal Operations Manager for Eagle County Regional Airport. David Reed, our director, sends his apologies uh, that he couldn't make it today. So just some updates from uh, the airport. Uh, what Delta has announced new service this winter. Uh, they'll be flying to LA on an E-175, an Embraer 175 jet. We've also added some Atlanta service um, in addition to what they've flown previously. So we're excited for that new announcement this winter. 
American Airlines has announced uh, additional Miami service on Saturdays, and they've upgaged the LA service that they had uh, from an E-175, I'm sorry, CRJ um, aircraft to an Airbus 319, so we'll have added service uh, to LA as well. That'll round out to all three of our partners, Delta, American, and United, offering LA service this winter. This will be our total winter service. We have 12 nonstop destinations uh, covering the entire nation, um, all provided by American, Delta, and United. How we um, partner with the Air Alliance um, and our airlines were, there are a lot of regulatory requirements. The FAA doesn't let us contribute to certain um, funds like the MRGs. So we look for private and public partnership um, to help grow our air service. We also um, work very closely with all of our airline partners from the local agencies and tenants in the airport all the way to the planners um, in, in their corporate headquarters. So it takes all of that group, in, including our uh, consultant, to help us um, grow those, those relationships um, and build, build our air service. Um, what we've attended so far this year, we've gone to the Routes America conference, the Jumpstart conference, and we had a headquarter meeting in Chicago with United. Okay. All right, thanks Jody. So a couple of the opportunities that I promised we would touch on. Um, these are communications and uh, discussions we've had with the airlines. Um, we've had some opportunities for these and for whatever reason we've, we've said no due to timing um, or the airline hasn't had available aircraft or pilots. Uh, but when you saw the air service map, um, you saw a couple of gaps in there. We're trying to actively address some of those gaps. The Pacific Northwest um, opportunities potentially from Seattle or Portland. Um, Florida is one of our biggest markets on a year-round basis. Um, so we're in conversations with, with partners to, is now the time when we dance? Or is my time up or what happened? Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. It's not the worst thing that'll happen to me today, I promise. So Florida being a, a big opportunity for us um, because it's such a big market. We see the mid-Atlantic um, as a little bit of a hole in that, in that flight map. Um, West, we're, we're very strong out of Los Angeles and we have the service from San Francisco, uh, but there's potential markets um, that exist on the, in the western part as well. And then maybe most interesting from a, um, certainly a story standpoint and an economic standpoint is the potential for an international terminal and adding international service to the Eagle County Regional Airport. Um, that planning is done, we're discussing with um, congressionally designated spending with some of our congressional rep representatives and senators um, to help secure funding there. And if needed, we'll do private fundraising um, to have that. So um, our, uh, one of our biggest goals is to address the, the local market. And that consists of a low-cost carrier or, or more than one low-cost carrier and the additional service for the, the summer months. Um, we are in discussion. We went to United, as Jody said, in August with a specific discussion topic of adding summer service. So we're in negotiation and talking with them about the opportunity to add summer service from Chicago, 
from Houston. Um, and we're also talking to Delta Airlines about the potential of adding Atlanta service in the summer months. We know what a difference that would make to reduce those vehicle miles traveled to Denver um, for our, our locals and second homeowners and visitors who need to travel here and, and choose to travel here. Um, and so we're really focusing on how we grow that spring, summer, and fall. Right now, our, our non-ski month service consists of, of daily Dallas on American Airlines and daily four, three to four flights a day um, to Denver on United. So we really want to expand that footprint and give people more options. Um, so as we scroll through here, there's some data here, and Jody, if, uh, I'll keep the floor if you don't, if you don't, if you want it, you can take it. Um, so again, I'm going to let you. This was in your packet. You guys can read through this, but you see the throughput um, and the daily uh, traffic at, at EGE um, during the the summer months that that May through September. Um, and if you want to keep scrolling, Tanya, please. Um, here you see the obviously the influx of of carriers of traffic rather during the first quarter. First quarter drives the, the volume at the airport as it does for most of the rest of our, our economy. Uh, much more drive traffic during the, the summer months and as I mentioned, less flights during that time frame. But we pick up in December and run strong through, through March. Um, car rental revenue shows the same trend. When we look at these charts, um, we really try not to look at 2020 from March forward because that was the time of which we don't speak too much about. Um, scrolling through here, again, this is the fuel sales at the Vail Valley Jet Center. Again, similar trends, but you see the, you see the strong growth um, in 22 and 23. Um, so the, the message with all of these charts and graphs that you guys can dig into is that we have strong momentum at the airport. There's more people utilizing the airport. The vendors at the airport are doing well. This one is the operations. This is total everything with um, the jet center service and the commercial service. Um, and you see the a little more normalized there across the year um, when it comes to the, to the operations. Um, new vendor at the restaurant doing quite well. New, new restaurant vendor at the airport um, doing quite well. Um, and then the last part is the, the Eagle County Master Plan. Um, that's been a public process led by the team at the airport in partnership with a group called Javiation to map out, Jody, is it 20 years? Mm -hmm. The next 20 years of, of operations and um, really front of house components, I think, at, at Eagle County Regional Airport. Um, so that said, um, some capital projects planned. It has nothing to do with funding from you guys or anything with the transit authority, but rather painting a picture of the Eagle County Regional Airport and the efforts that the, the county is taking, that the airport is taking, um, and that are, are underway there to attract more air service to help both our tourism economy and our, our local components. I already gave you the spoiler alert on an international terminal when I talked about the potential for international service, uh, but that design is complete. And so now we're working with those federal partners to try and secure funding. I think we're about $10 million is what we're, is what we're asking for. So that would, that would be a, a huge game changer. We would really be the only ski market in, in Colorado and outside of big ones like Salt Lake or Reno that would be, have international service. So um, that said, our targets for 2024 um, 
I know the ballot language outlines a certain dollar amount. We're not, we're not assuming that we need that full dollar amount for 2024. Um, we, we are very comfortable with the $800,000 that has um, been communicated to you guys, um, certainly leaving you more money to go back into that. The thing with minimum revenue guarantees that's important to know is that it's a, it's a constant communication and push and pull with the airlines and a negotiation with the airlines. We're in conversations with airlines for, for summer service next year. We're in conversation with them for winter service of, of 24, 25. Um, we don't need funding for 24, 25 at this point. That would be in next year's budget cycle if and when there's opportunities there. But we think there's a very real opportunity for some combination of Houston, Chicago, and Atlanta, um, maybe in that order of, of likelihood. Um, and would love to have that, that funding to be able to continue moving forward with those MRG programs. Um, it's, there's a likelihood that a large portion or some of that money would be returned to this group or not utilized by the Air Alliance, but we do need to have the, the money secured in order to move forward with the MRGs. So <laughs> I'm happy to talk a little bit about process or a little bit about uh, the history of the Alliance or any questions you might have for us. Uh, Tanya, would now be appropriate to have Chris envision what the process might look like for actually signing contracts, or do we want to do that later on when we go over the actual budgets? I think it might be helpful just to kind of have some context of what that looks like, what the timing looks like, when they might request an outlay, and then what it would, what what that timeline would look like. Yeah, for for summer service, it, it really could happen it, most likely in the January February timeframe. Historically speaking, we've had flights um, loaded and airline partners ready to roll by around February-ish, mid-February. So that, that would be kind of the target timing. If you get too much into March or April, now we've had situations where airlines have loaded their flights in the March or April timeframe for the summer. But with booking patterns and with um, visitor trends, and for to give locals certainty on what those flight opportunities are for their business travel and or vacation travel. Um, I think mid-February is a very realistic time frame for the summer service. Now for winter, um, looking forward knowing that that would be most likely part of a future budget cycle. Um, we're, we're backloading that a little bit more because the vacation planning happens a little bit earlier. Um, but somewhere between mid-June and mid-August is when f airlines have typically loaded their winter components for future winter seasons. So if that, if that answered that question in regards to timing. And a follow-up question there, um, just again to help this board kind of think about our process and what it's going to look like. Um, between the time that you know that this is a viable option and the time you need to be giving them money, like what kind of turnaround time yeah, are we okay, talking about? Yeah, okay, great question. There? Um, so the process with the minimum revenue guarantee programs is it's a shared risk model with the airlines. We're not paying them to come here. We have a contract with them that outlines everything from um, their um, fuel costs to the operational expenses at the airport to the fares that they're able to get in the load capacity and, and um, load factor that they're able to put on the aircraft. 
um, at the end of the season that the contract would be for summer or winter, at the end of the season, we would reconcile with the airlines what all of those numbers were, what the fuel cost was, what their load capacity was, what their revenue component was, and we would share the risk with the minimum revenue guarantee and the, and the airline partner. So for example, I'll, I'll try and use round numbers. If we have a minimum revenue guarantee of $500,000 on a flight um, and the airline lost $500,000 the, on the service, um, typically it would be a shared risk model where we would be on the, on the hook for 250 of that and the airline would have the risk for the other 250. Now let's say that in that same scenario, the airline lost a million dollars. Then we would be on the hook for the full 500 they would have 500. Let's say the airline lost $2 million on that flight. Um, we would be capped at the maximum amount of that minimum revenue guarantee at 500, and the airline takes all the risk for anything above that. Um, and we've had situations in the past um, where we've had no payout on our minimum revenue guarantee programs because the airline outperformed their expectation. Um, we've had scenarios where we've paid a part of a minimum revenue guarantee, and we've had situations where we've paid the full minimum revenue guarantee. Our historic business model is that we, we want and expect our flights to be performing on the, on the free market and moving off on a minimum revenue guarantee program after about three to four years. Um, other airlines um, and other mountain airports, Telluride, Montrose, Montrose, Steamboat, um, Gunnison, they typically have almost every flight into their market on a perpetual minimum revenue guarantee. Their, their flights never reach the ability to perform on the free market. Eagle, Aspen are a little different. Um, we tend to perform um, pretty well once we get the flight up and running and once we have the, the market saturation and awareness to go with it. So um, that was a long answer to the question. But it's a shared risk model, um, and our, our model would be to move them to the free market within three years. And frankly, if the airline doesn't think they can get there or if we don't think we can get there, we're, we're probably not um, rolling the dice on a minimum revenue guarantee program because we, we want that model. We don't always get that, uh, but that's our goal. Thank you for that. Does anybody, oh, Jeannie, go ahead. So I'm wondering if you can share with us, because I. I think most of our airlines started with a minimum revenue guarantee. Yeah. How many are still using a minimum revenue guarantee? There is no, no air service at the Eagle County Regional Airport at this time on a minimum revenue guarantee program. Um, Jody, but everyone started check with me one. here. Every, every flight that we currently have, with the exception of Austin, which was new last winter, every other market, both summer and winter, Denver, Denver did not start on a minimum revenue guarantee. Everything with the exception of Denver and Austin. So Los Angeles started on a minimum revenue guarantee. San Francisco, Atlanta, Miami, New York, Chicago, um, Dallas, Houston, they all started on a minimum revenue guarantee, as I mentioned earlier. It is a, it, it's a common model for airports around the country. Um, for the bigger metropolitan airports like Denver, it's more for international service and um, regional is markets that might not sustain itself. 
but for mountain airports and regional airports in vacation destinations, it's almost all, in our case, of the 12 markets we serve, um, 10 of them started on an MRG. Austin came last year. We were in discussions and trying to get Austin, and they told us they were going to bring Austin. So that was great. Um, we like that. That's rare. Thank you for that. Um, Earl? Um, hey, Chris. Um, so, low fare airlines. Um, yes. I don't, I'm not a frequent flyer, but United and Delta and American Airlines don't seem to be no the they're budget. not those are those are legacy carriers uh -huh. um, kind of the the big three legacy carriers so when we talk about low-cost airlines um, some examples that would spring to mind um, that we're talking to and have some level of optimism that we'll have in the relatively near-term future when I say that two to five years um, and the reason being aircraft availability and pilot availability. Um, air, airlines like Allegiant, airlines like um, Southwest, um, those would be some. There, there's others certainly out there. Frontier is a low-cost carrier. Um, Alaska is a low-cost carrier. And I would share with this group, I think I've shared with you before in different settings, um, we do have a million-dollar grant um, through the federal government. It's, it's called the SCASD grant. That grant is a matching grant up to a million dollars to attract a low-cost carrier. We have um, four years left to use that. Um, and if, if we don't use it within four years, we'll be able to, there's a high likelihood we can renew that for another five-year term. So we, we do have a million dollars sitting out there from the feds to be able to leverage local dollars to attract a low-cost carrier. But think the highest likelihood is a, is a Southwest, is an Allegiant, is a Sun Country from Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot of them out there. Um, Frontier has a huge base in Denver, but their aircraft don't work well here. Um, so there's lots of nuance within that. But those are the types of airlines we'd be talking about. A JetBlue. So further expansion of these airlines, besides the uh, qualifiers you, you just said, uh, is Taxiway B, uh, when that's finished and open, does that uh, give you more bandwidth to to deal with the... Let's talk to our airport um, terminal manager about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me put my ops manager hat on real quick. Um, it helps with our general aviation traffic, specifically on the north side there. That is where we can grow some, we have some acreage we can put hangers on. It wouldn't necessarily help with the commercial traffic, but it would help with the overall traffic to the airport. Um, does that answer your question? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and finally, um, just wanted to, you know, my, my vision of where this is going is that regular citizens are going to be able to access uh, areas of the country that they generally like to go to. We can uh, take our baggage to the uh, bus stop, go to the bus stop to the airport, fly wherever we want, save the cost on going to Denver, the gas, the hotel, the parking, whatever. Um, and then on the way back, we just grab the bus back. You're, we're singing from the same hymnal. Okay. Now, uh, could you expand on any, uh, I'm not familiar with y'all's overall process as far as long-term, where, how long will it take to get to that point, do you think? On the, on the air, air service component, um, it, there's a lot of variables, as I said. Um, but I, I, I think it's very realistic that we will have a low-cost carrier 
in the next, uh, more than one low-cost carrier in the next two to five years. I'm, I'm highly confident of that with the, the SCASD grant, with the conversations we've had, um, we know that there's, we know that there's more than one of them that are waiting for aircraft and want to fly here. So it's a, I mean, it, without violating anything, um, those discussions and things, it's, I mentioned some of those airline partners before. Um, it's no secret that Southwest is the golden goose. Um, they're in Colorado already flying to both Steamboat and to, to Montrose. Um, so the, with some of the others, I, I, I think two to five years, we have that low cost carrier that opens up a lot of opportunities for locals and new markets potentially for, for visitors as well. But they're really, the low cost carrier is really a local play. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that, Dave. Oh, thank you. Chris, um, I was a little confused by some of your comments. Does minimum rate route guarantee, does the minimum guarantee guarantee revenue or does it guarantee uh, minimum loss? No, Which well, a, yeah, it's... And, and is that computed by, on specific routes or all routes by a carrier? Yeah. It would be, it's a contract, a contractual agreement with the specific carrier for a specific route. And when we say minimum revenue guarantee, it's a minimum, it's a maximum payout for us, right? The, the, we would be capped at the dollar amount that we have based in, a, in the Based on their revenue or their based on profit their revenue. or loss? No, based on, based on their profit and loss, gas prices, so, fuel prices. So it's and not stuff revenue, that. it's profit and loss. Um, the term is minimum revenue guarantee, but it is profitability of that flight. They of could sell of that segment. Of that that segment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And there's there's a lot of computations that go into that with connecting passengers with okay. how they allocate their stuff. But at the end of the day, yes, it comes down to their profitability on the route um, that we have the contract for. Okay. Um, I was on your uh, the Air Alliance website yesterday looking for some financials and I f was not able to locate any. Um, and, I, and I guess I would like to locate some. Sure, um, we can share those. Good. I am specifically interested in uh, where the revenue comes from, or it's called revenue or income, yeah. and what share of that the Eagle Valley Transportation Authority will have in 24. Yeah. So the historic, yeah, the historic model was that we did private fundraising, and we would solicit. Um, our public entities such as the Town of Vale, Beaver Creek Resort <coughs> Company, Town of Eagle, Town of Avon, Eagle County was our largest funding partner, Town of Gypsum, um, as well as dozens of, of private sector businesses that contributed various levels um, from $500 to $1,000 up to um, ten dollars to $15,000 depending on the, on the entity. Um, for the, to answer your question in terms of the, the share of revenue um, for, for next year, um, are, you, are you specifically asking for incoming revenue or are you specifically asking for the financials that we have, the money that we have in the bank right now from previous fundraising efforts and how that would contribute? Um, well, for new funds coming in for 24. For new funds, it would primarily be through the Alliance model. The, the only private fundraising we're doing is through the private sector 
um, through the Merchant Ski Pass program and from the town of Gypsum, which did not pass the RTA in, um, in, in the November election. Okay, well, what I'm looking for is what's our share of the total pie? Um, it, would, it would be about 25%. So your total budget is 2.4 million? We have right now our total assets are about 1.8 million. So the 3.2 million, sorry. Well, 1.8 well, plus well, the ballpark Well, numbers. income, let's talk about income. Yeah, How, income it would be it would be 90% coming from this group of new income. Okay. It would and, be about And that's about the 10%. model going forward. That would be the model going forward as as outlined in the ballot initiative, yes. And then um, I would like the board to have or have visibility into the um, use of funds. Of course. So if you're, the annual, your annual budget is X, so how does that apportion between MRG and other expenditures? Of course. Yeah, we can provide that. We're happy okay. to provide that. And we want to, we have already agreed to have someone from this board um, sit on the EGA board to help with that communication and transparency. Good. Um, and since we're 90% of the revenue stream, maybe we ought to have a more important uh, vote than just one vote. And maybe we have a couple of representatives on the board. Sure, I think we're open to that. We have, we have we already have municipal representatives from um, the town of Vale and the town of Avon and Beaver Creek Resort Company and the town of Gypsum mm -hmm. um, and Eagle County. So I think we're I think we're open to how that looks and what that looks like. Okay. Well, let's you know as a first step share. Um, what your financials look like? There, it, it, was it my problem, or you know, that I couldn't find those financials? Or no, no, no. Um, just it's a, it's a EGA Alliance is not a public organization, so there's the What's the it? tax returns are available, the Form 990 is available, um, but but we don't have it on our website. Most private organizations don't. Okay. Well, but we'll share it with you. We're happy to I do would that. I hope you would. Yes. Um, if I can just make one small point of clarification there with regards to how EVTA money can support the activities of the Eagle Air Alliance. Um, money that is collected by an RTA specifically for air has limitations on its purposes. So for example, the EGA Air Alliance couldn't use this for marketing purposes Correct. or related purposes. They can use it specifically to fund that minimum revenue guarantee. I believe they can also use it, and I'd have to, to clarify this, but I believe it can also be used for things related to planning, planning match, things like that. But it can't be used for marketing, advertising, those sorts of things related to air. Our, our intent would be to use it. Or anything. It, it is restricted entirely to to minimum revenue guarantee? Not entirely to minimum revenue guarantees. There are some other classifications of okay. things, and, and I'll, I'll clarify specifically what that is, but I know it can't be spent on marketing, promoting of air, and, and so on. Okay, directly. will will this board, do you see, Amy, do you see this board uh, passing judgment on proposed minimum revenue guarantee on uh, a line item or a... I, on an airline by route basis? I, I think that's the question of the day, is what the process will be. That obviously this board is going to approve the budget that will make the funds available so that Chris can go out with the team from the airport to initiate contract discussions. But once that contract comes in, 
is that going to be a staff level approval, a board approval, or a finance committee approval? Those are kind of the three options I I think we're talking about. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I think I think we're very open to that conversation and what works best for for this group, being the being using that ballot language in the formation of this group as the in the intent for the minimum re minimum revenue guarantees. I think we envision the EG Air Alliance being the group that that takes the lead and does the negotiations with the air service consultant in partnership with the Eagle County Regional Airport, um, but bringing it back to you at a minimum for a, for a gut check and at a, at a higher level from whatever process works best for you, be it finance committee or full board approval, we do need to make sure we're nimble enough to be able to, to move on these things in relatively short term. Um, but, but we wanna do it the right way. Right, but this board meeting once a month which is actually more frequency than the Air Alliance has historically met. Correct. So I think um, yeah, that, it should be it should be fine to bring all of those to you for an approval. I, I don't imagine that um, that that's a, a challenge or a problem. And if we need to call a special meeting because of timing, we can call a special meeting for timing. I agree with Amy. If your horizon is two to five years to bring a new route on. We meet 12 times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Our, we I have mean, a, we're, we're looking lot, at lots of, uh, lots of opportunity for yeah, input. And to be clear, the two to five years was for a low cost carrier. We think there's a high likelihood we could have one to three new routes next summer. Which those contracts for next summer would be- Most likely by look, February. Look, yeah, February, March. So yeah, so- Well, you, you know who you're talking with if that's the if you have a six-month horizon, um, certainly we're, we're we meet many times. In oh, of course. Be, be, between when it comes down to uh, yes. signing contracts, of course. Okay. Thank you for that, um, Nick. Did you have some questions? Yeah. Hey, Chris. Um, as we expand traffic at the airport, it also creates um, pressures on local infrastructure, i.e., Highway Six and Eagle. Um, which is already overrun with cars. Um, has there been any considerations as to maybe adding a per passenger fee to help invest in some of those infrastructures? Um, maybe even the I-70 interchange at Costco? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm gonna look to Jody to see if she knows the answer to that. Not legal. So to my knowledge, the airport does have strict regulations on how our passenger fees um, can be applied. Right now, there's a cap of 450 on, on our passenger facility fee. Um, that's done through the FAA. So if we were to try to um, tack on an additional fee, that would actually need to go, that all airports would be would be collecting an additional fee. And right now, 450 is the max. But if there's other revenue opportunities there or ways to collect it, I'm not familiar with them. So we'd need to do some investigation and some work. I just know traffic in Eagles, a nightmare. And increasing traffic at the airport is only gonna make it worse. Unless they take a left. Or the bus. Or the bus. Or the bus. <laughs> yep. Or they take a left in the bus. Um, does anyone else on the board, oh, Jeannie, you, were you done, Nick? Did, okay, Jeannie? So I, I, um, I, I don't know, I got a little confused there because this was a talking point, as you said, of the ballot. 
and that every town was already paying minimum revenue guarantees. Every community was already doing this. Um, and it was a talking point in passing the ballot language that this impacts our budget and this is a good thing for our town to have the RTA pass. Um, I would venture to say that the, the EGE as a group has been meeting and you don't have contentious votes. You don't have five different decisions to make. It's not like everybody is saying, let me, let me come and um, be your low-cost carrier or your, your, we want to start a new route from you. It's, it's basically that you've been able to work out one <laughs> um, in, the, in the time frame of the year. And, and so I just, I worry that this idea that we have to now have, you know, more representation on the EGE, we have, I, I, I just, I get a little confused. The EGE is meeting, it has representation from all the towns that originally were paying the MRGs um, to have one more person from this board and to have the, the votes come to this board is fine. I just don't think it's, it's, it's um, beneficial of your to have seven, a bunch. Of your seven um, board members, there's representation. If we, if we include Beaver Creek, the resort company in the Metro District, understanding their different organizations, um, we have representation from the town of Vale, the town of Avon, Beaver Creek, and Eagle County. So there is, there is good crossover there. Um, and each of your communities decide who serves on this board and who serves on the Air Alliance board. So I think that there is a lot of flexibility in how that looks to make sure that the, and we have no problem with the transparency and the request to bring those opportunities for a final, a final stamp. But you're right, it's not, it's not a situation where um, the three legacy carriers and four, four low-cost carriers are knocking on our door every single day. These are, these are relationships that are um, nurtured and developed. And it's, we, be, we want to be as transparent as we can to bring the opportunities, make sure there's alignment. Um, and there is, there is spirited discussion around air, air, airlines and around specific markets. Um, you know, I'm, we don't need to go into too much of that detail, but it's not uh, that, that Air Alliance group, um, and we've been uh, working and administering that group for upwards of, of probably the last 12 of the 20 years it's been in existence. Um, not everything is rubber stamped. There's, it's spirited discussion. If you, if you know the people on that group, it's, um, there's, there's some strong personalities who are really passionate about our community and how we help. So um, we want to be transparent. We, I think there is overlap in how we, how we expand that and make sure it's as strong as can be. I think we're open to. Thank you for that. Um, with that, uh, thank you very much for the presentation, Chris and Jody. Good to see you both as always. At this point, we will take public comment. Um, please do keep in mind your comments will be taken. There is a three-minute time limit on public comment, and we um, may or may not actually resolve all the com comments today, but we will definitely make note of them. So if you would like to make comment, if you're on Zoom, please raise your hand. And if you're in the room, please step up to the podium. Tim again. Uh, okay, three minutes. Uh, question obviously doesn't have to be answered now. How much money does Vail Resorts contribute to this? Because uh, they definitely benefit from it. Um, right now, we really don't need any more tourists. Um, we need help for the locals. 
um, that it benefits us because the local workforce is what brings all these tourists here and that's what creates all this wealth that comes here. Um, and for the valley to DIA for an airfare, like CDOT already did that with Bustang and Pegasus, 17 bucks, 20 bucks, takes a little bit longer than driving, um, gets you right to the airport if you take the train, and then when you're on the train, you can see all the trash and homeless people in Denver and realize that this is a really nice place to live. Um, let's see what else. Uh, actually, not too much. Um, so right now, you said that we weren't uh, subsidizing any flights like doing any, any, any MRGs. So where's all that money going to right now is the big question I want to know. Like if we have money that's going into from all the towns and the metro district and stuff, but we're not giving it to the airlines, where is it? So that's it. Cool. So some of those questions will be answered when we do our budget discussion in just a couple topics. Awesome. But thank you very much for that input. Um, and uh, yes, do we have someone online? Yes, um, we have Joanna Kerwin. Joanna, please go ahead and um, you can come in now. Hi, Joanna. Thank you. This is Joanna Kerwin, K-E-R-W-I-N. I am here as a well, I'm here as a Edwards Metro District Board member, but my comment is as a citizen. Um, Chris, thank you very much for the presentation. Um, and my comment is I certainly hope that all seven members of the board, that any money allocation is brought to all seven members of the board so that the public knows what's going on. I understand that the airlines meetings are private, but I think it'd be really helpful for the public to see um, where 90% of your budget is going since it's coming from the taxpayers. So thank you. Thank you, Joanna. Is there, oh, Mr. Dan, would you like to come to the podium? Would you please state your name for the record and spell your last name because it's so hard? <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter Dan and I'm with uh, East West and my last name is spelled D-A-N-N, -N, two N's. Um, I am the current chair of the uh, Air Alliance and uh, have been on the board for a lot of years. I can't think how far back. Um, I only want to say is that we'll be super transparent. Um, we're excited about the current situation. Um, we're in the best shape than we ever have been, including with the relationship now with the RTA, which is awesome. I, I love the description of landing, getting on a bus, turning right or left. <laughs> And, you know, getting to your place of lodging or wherever you're going to be staying and then back on the bus and back to the airport. Ideally, and that helps with our traffic in, in Eagle. I live in Eagle, and I don't go to work at 8 o'clock because it's too busy. So we have some issues down there that need to be resolved. Um, I think what we have put together here has a, a good um, approach to bringing more people in, and we're not just bringing them in, throwing them on the roads that there is a solution with the RTA, and I think that was very wise to put this together and all, all at one time. Our speed of uh, ability to execute is really based on the airlines and their ability to um, um, support new routes. Um, and our dual approach of working with our legacy car carriers, which is all what we have right now, and adding new routes to that that cost zero has been um, very um, successful, and you'll see that based on uh, Jody and, and uh, um, Chris's uh, report on uh, new flights from Atlanta doubling up coming out of Miami, doubling up again on two different airlines going into LA now, um, and adding Austin in. 
it cost us zero. It, it cost anybody any. And, but it is the airlines, meeting with the airlines, working with our consultant, and having the right conversations to get people excited about coming in to Eagle and uh, knowing what the success rate can be for them. So that experimentation is, is great in our ability to be able to um, uh, represent that to them. Uh, I've been to uh, several different um, air shows and meetings and planning in that. And uh, it's exciting to see the reaction from talking to a, a Southwest or a Delta or United and they're, they're, they're smiling most of the time. It is a place they like to fly into. It is a, uh, it is, it is a customer base that is, um, uh, works well for them and in, in, in the numbers work. And, um, and I'll segue right into low cost carrier is the next, I'm over my three minutes, I know, sorry. It's, it's really that next move we need to make. And, and with low cost carriers coming in, then it, it certainly helps balance out fares and balance out options for people, Th especially for the locals. So thank, thank you very much. Thank you for your Sorry, comments. I'm going over at least a whole minute, didn't I? <laughs> no, I think it was Just about three seconds. seconds. Um, is there anybody else on Zoom or in the room that would like to address the board? Okay, with that said, we will go, uh, um, do we need to take council action at this time? We can consider that $800,000 request as part of the budget conversation later. Perfect, thank you very much. Um, yes, go ahead. I, I just wanted to express our thanks to Chris and, and Jody. Um, and I wanted to say, and I think I, I always attribute this to Jody, but the the, airport has a saying that says look before you book and um, it's well worth it because I booked my Christmas and it was cheaper out of Eagle than it was out of Denver to go to New York I have to, you know I couldn't choose my days um, so I'm spending a little more time probably with my relatives than I wanted to but it was cheaper than and I, that's not even the parking in the airfare it was cheaper um, and so it is worth looking before you book. And I actually hardly ever did it when I had two kids at home and it was four of us traveling and we've been empty nesters for a while. And so I always look first at Eagle and I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that it was so inexpensive this holiday season. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, at this point, we're going on to our second topic. I know that we are running a little long. We're one hour, so well, hopefully we'll stay on track for two o'clock. Um, Tanya, I think you're presenting our next topic, the winter service update and fare relief. Yes, and we'll start with uh, eco, acting eco-director Larry Tenenholz um, to give a quick update on the staffing hiring equipment situation regarding winter, and then we'll move into the service plan and, and um, the fair conversation. Thank you. Uh, winter's hiring status, we're actually look, looking very good. Uh, we have great applicant flow. Working with the county, thank you for on a step program increase, which is really wages. Uh, should have that uh, hopefully, definitely by the end of the year, hopefully a little sooner. We'll get that uh, ironed out. Uh, we're making progress with uh, maintenance on PM's compliance. We still have quite a few buses overdue and we're sending some to Avon to help with that. So that's working out a little bit better. Um, 
just give you an idea of the parts clerk uh, application they have. Uh, the county has some good success with that. Not so good success with mechanics. So again, if anybody knows any diesel mechanics, please send them our way. Um, they have an opening for two right now, and that has been open for about three weeks now with um, no applications. So that, that's tough. We're still looking for our planner. Um, Tanya has that on her, her slate of things to do, uh, along with a ton of else. else. Um, and everybody knows of our increased service on the night, night service for winter, the two added, the added AM, PM trips, uh, and of course the BC uh, Vail connectors. So that's it for an update on our side for winter. Uh, we're looking good, very good actually. Thank you very much for that. That was Ta quick. Tanya, are you going to go through the slides? Uh, I was going to say, yeah, and Larry, please stay up there so we oh, can okay. kind of go sure. through this a bit together. Um, so we did want to highlight, you know, again, what those service improvements for winter are um, and explain a little bit more about um, why we're doing them because we have heard a lot of feedback and just want to give a little bit more of the picture of why from an operations perspective this is something um, that we thought would be would be worth moving forward with. We are moving forward with a contract with F SP Plus for this service. That allows us to really break off this service separately. Um, also develop some skills in managing contracts because we believe this may be an important component moving forward of trying to get to the level we need to get to um, for, for um, the system. As it stands right now, um, looking at the winter plan for that Vail Beaver Creek Express, um, which just to remind everyone does transit Avon Station and does also stop at Lions Head and Vail. Um, we do anticipate ridership more than doubling on that um, as we move to the new service. Um, this slide I think is really important because it does explain why this route um, makes more sense than it might seem to um, and when you think of it as a skier service because it's not just a skier service. Um, what, this, what this particular route does do is it connects our two highest volume stops throughout our system in terms of both boardings and alightings. Um, that's Avon Station and the Vail Transportation Center. Um, and you can see off to the right, it's unfortunately a, a little small on the screen for the folks in the room. Um, but you know, that shows those two stops on the top, regardless of time of day or um, pre-COVID, post-COVID, it's that Vail, Vail Transportation Center and Avon Station, two highest stops. Um, in addition to that, the places where we see the most crowding on our system is that stretch of Highway 6 between Avon Station and Vail Transportation Center. You know, these are the stops where they're also high volume stops. They're stops where we find ourselves with full buses, where we end up driving past or leaving people behind because we do, are not able to accommodate the number of people we have. Um, I'm sorry, Tanya, what two stops did you mention? Avon Station and Vail Transportation Center. Okay. Thank you. Um, and so part of how we believe this, this initiative will help with some of those issues is if we're able to move more people directly through those high demand points of Avon and Vail Transportation Center, we're also able to take some pressure off of the system on that stretch of Highway 6 between Avon and Vail. Um, in addition, it can help with some of the overcrowding issues, or we believe it will help with some of the overcrowding issues we see on those valley buses. Those are the bus buses that come from Dotsero or Gypsum um, via Chambers Park and Ride and Eagle to, to Freedom Park and upward. What we've been finding, especially in past winter seasons, is, you know, as you've mentioned, that center of gravity of employees moves further and further, um, and the loads get bigger and bigger. Um, at those stops like Chambers and Eagle. And so we found that over the past couple of 
past couple of seasons, um, we've started to have full buses or even leave behinds at Chambers and Eagle. Um, and then if that same bus is expected to come through Avon, expected or Freedom Park, Avon, um, that bus is already full. So this again is a situation where we think being able to move more of those people directly from Vale to Avon that need to get from Vale to Avon will take pressure, pressure off of other parts in the system. Um, it's also something that is consistent with some of the planning we've done for that longer term fare free implementation. You know, again, part of what that study identified was these pressure points in the system and the need for additional more frequent routes along Highway 6, the entirety of Highway 6, but particularly that stretch of Highway 6 um, between, between Vale and Avon Station. So. Um, you know, recognizing that this is only a portion of our system, it's far from the full fare-free implementation, <clears throat> excuse me, that we would like to get to. Um, but we do see some, some significant benefits of moving forward with this now um, as something that we can do quickly and we can do um, alongside um, continuing to work on some of those other modifications to provide what we hope will be better, more reliable service um, for folks this winter. Um, Larry, I don't know if there's anything else you'd want to add from the operational side about Just some that, of what uh, we're thinking here. This gives us the opportunity to start something at a level that we can manage. Nobody here at Ecotransit has ever contracted service out before. Um, not that that's hard or easy, whatever, it doesn't matter, it's just different. And we need to make sure we start that foundation correctly and that we're ready to move forward at a reasonable pace and not just all at once because that's kind of tough, impossible to do. So this is a great start and uh, my recommendation also would be to start with something that we can control, we can learn from and move forward from. And can you tell us what the first, what, when the first bus starts in the morning? Oh boy, you're asking, I think it's six o'clock, but Jeff? <laughs> Yeah, for, from, from the, the the oh. free express. Okay, so we're starting between six and six thirty a.m. Yes. So that it should be able to help with some of the lift ops and folks that are actually going to work on the mountain. Yes, that's why we we did start at that early for that. Thank you. Dave, did you have a question? Yeah, I do. Larry, um, what are our goals for driver FTE, or our goal for driver FTEs this season, and where are we against meeting that goal? Okay, well, if you want specifics, which I believe you do, here yep. you go. That was a pretty specific yep. question, yeah. You have 37 bid lines. Pardon me? You have 37 bid lines, and that's 37 um, ra uh, jobs that drivers take. Right. Okay. And then you have four extra bid lines. So your, your, your need is 4142. And we will be at, right now, if winter started today, we're only one operator short. Um, now, of course, we have people in training, we have people coming on f in the future. So if all goes well, which it never does, what we have in, in our numbers, that not well part two, uh, we should, our forecast is to be three over by the time November 26th or 28th, uh, 26 starts. So our numbers look good. Yeah, I agree, they do. 
Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> you're, you're, the finish line is in sight. Well, that, well you know what? Uh, you, you plan, you plan, you plan, and hopefully it works like you plan. It's yeah. good. Um, Tanya, have we signed the deal with uh, PS Plus for the express route or not? We've finalized the contract. We're getting the wet signature today. Even better. <laughs> Should we go on to the next route? Yes, yeah, so um, moving on. So the other component of the, the enhancements that we have planned for the winter is the combination of some increased frequency on our Highway 6 route, as well as the potential to consider a 25% fare reduction on regular fares, um, regularly purchased fares in the system. Some highlights of Highway 6 and what we expect um, for this winter, you know, just kind of showing how it will be an improvement as compared to last winter. Um, instead of 36 daily eastbound trips, we will have 40 daily eastbound trips, um, westbound trips, 36 up to 42. Um, right now, we're projecting, based on that frequency, we're projecting um, an increase in ridership above 20, 2018, 2019. So that's those pre-COVID levels that we use a lot, you know, recognizing that things kind of <laughs> went a little crazy for a couple years in between. Um, if we were to go to the 25% fare reduction, we think this route will probably increase roughly 17% um, over and above the increase we would see just based on the frequency improvements combined with the addition of that Vail Beaver Creek Express. Um, Valley and Minturn, uh, more limited improvement there and more limited impacts there. We do anticipate we would see um, some sort of increase, um, roughly 15% ridership fare increase with it, with if were we to reduce fares 25%, min turn the impacts would be minimal based on where it is in the system um, and ridership patterns there. Um, one of the things we did um, want to make sure is that, you know, part of the reason we're not going to the full free immediately is because we recognize there are issues with equipment and ridership. And were we to go, to, if were we to just turn off fare boxes today with what we have provided, we'd wind up with buses on an area of our, our system that's, that are, it's already overloaded. We'd end up with perhaps a 50% ridership increase on, on that. Um, and that would really create system problems and, and make it harder for people to get where they're going. Um, we wanted to look at any additional uh, how any reduction of fares for the winter season um, might impact to make sure that we're not just doing the same thing um, and, and causing a problem. We asked our consultants who've been helping us on the fares free study to take a quick look. Um, you do have copies of their full, the full study in the packet. Um, it was done very quickly, um, so there may be a few things in there that we need to double check, but overall we're pretty confident in um, what they've found, which matches more or less what we expected. Um, there would be some increase in peak loads on the Valley route. There would also be some in increase in peak loads on Highway 6, but combined with the frequency, we're comfortable that a 25% reduction, we would still be able to accommodate people without a significant um, negative impact on service. Were we to go to a 50% reduction, um, that equation would change very quickly. So 25% is really as far as we think we could push um, for providing some sort of system-wide fare relief using um, the funds that we have. Um, and as far as fiscal impacts, this is really a hard one. Um, we could kind of crunch the math in all sorts of different ways, you know, recognizing that there's already going to be some expected revenue loss by going fare free on the Vail Beaver Creek route. Um, however, 
the folks who use that route don't use only that route. Often the folks who use that route use other portions of the system as well. Um, so it's a percentage that would be that would be impacted. Crunching numbers and coming up with a few guesses. Um, our guess is that a 25% across the board discount on regular fares um, would basically be um, a subsidy of somewhere between 170 and $200,000. Um, that EVTA would effectively be providing to the overall system to make the ride a little bit cheaper for folks throughout the entire um, the entire regular ride system. It would be the $4 fare um, regular ride. It would not apply to the Leadville route. Thank you for that. Um, do we have any more presentation before we talk about the fare what what we want to do as a fare reduction? Is there any other presentation before that discussion? That's all the presentation I have. So okay. happy to take questions um, on any portion of that. Does anyone have a question for Tanya before I open the table for public input? I do. Go uh, ahead. Tanya, it, Larry, um, if we implement you know, November 1st or whenever the date is, the 25% fare reduction. And by, say, mid-January, we like what we see in terms of the system's ability to serve the increased demand. How difficult would it be to uh, do a mid-season, another reduction mid-season to 50%? I, I think I'll start with one of the biggest issues is sort of the education and the information. You know, every time we change something like this, it's something we have to change. We have to make sure we've got frontline staff um, on board with, educated on, um, prepared with. And so we usually, because we bring on new staff at, in the winter season um, or on a seasonal on a seasonal basis, we usually try to limit major changes in procedures to those seasonal changes. It's just easier for us from a communication and education standpoint. It's not impossible from a technical standpoint, um, but there is also work that's that's required as far as programming our fare boxes, programming our fare systems, working with our mobile payment vendor. So there's a, there's a fair amount of back-end work, so it's not something that we like to do on a regular basis. I'll add something to that too. Let's just look at it logistically for a second. If you want to say the end of January, well, you won't have the data to see how you're doing because we're starting November 28th anyway, right? So you won't have any data to look at, even to begin to look at until the middle of January to see how we're doing. So now we only have two weeks to train, to do that training. And so um, highly, that might be real tough. It would be real tough. Okay, thank you. One, one other thing I would uh, came up before about SP uh, with the hiring, and I do want to uh, relate that I've had multiple conversations with SP Plus on their hiring and the ability that they're going to have operators. I've talked to uh, Beaver Creek. They have operators from SP Plus, and they have assured me that that will not be an issue. What they assure, it's in the contract. It is what it is, but uh, I've had multiple con conversations with them to address that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Jeannie, did you have a question? Actually, I, I wanted to add something to the conversation. Um, changing fares mid-year is, is 
is cumbersome for pass people who have purchased a pass mm -hmm. for the winter, <laughs> and and that just becomes very it just becomes a real complication. And so I think we just have to um, kind of go slow. Thank you for that, Earl. Did you have something? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to expand on that. Um, this board has been pushing staff very hard. Um, that's Tanya. <laughs> to be as progressive and offer as many features as we possibly can that were promised to the voters uh, when they voted, voted this organization into existence. Um, that said, we are also adamant about making sure that the experience does not become negative. Uh, if we go too fast, you're going to get late buses, you're going to get poor communication, all those kind of things that aggravate the hell out of everybody. So we're pushing hard, but we are also wanting to make sure that it gets done right. Thank you for that. Um, so at this point, uh, I would like, before we make any decisions as a board, I would like to open for public comment. Again, anyone on Zoom, please raise your hand. Anyone in the room, please come to the podium. And we, we, we know your name, so cool. please go ahead and give us your thoughts. And anyone else who's interested in speaking that's in the room, please feel free to take the podium after Mr. McMahon gives us his wisdom. I wouldn't call it that. Um, so a question, obviously not answered now. Uh, what's up with the Proterra electric buses? Are all of them running? Um, are they trying to fix them? What's going on with them? Um, why are we starting this a year early? Are supposed to start next year? Um, the free service, I mean, call it what it is, say it's for the locals, it benefits VR employees and VR guests. Um, if it's anything like the Highway 6 bus last year, it's going to be filled before we get to Avon Station to pick up anyone from there. Um, plus, by doing that, I live in Sunridge, and that's as far down valley as a free bus goes now then with that. Um, because I can take the Avon shuttle in to Avon Station and pick it up, but anyone further west of Sunridge, all of Edwards, anything down valley, can't use it. Um, since we only have seven elected officials and one employee for this, who is the we we are talking about making all these decisions? Um, last year, there was four different times I tried to ride the Highway 6 bus at 7.30 in the morning from Sunridge. All four times, if I wasn't dressed like this, I wouldn't have gotten on. Because at two of the times, there was three other people and the bus driver didn't let them on. And then some J1s were nice and gave me a seat. Um, let's see what else. Is VR paying anything into this free bus since they are benefiting so much from it? If not, why the fuck not? Um, and then what about all the valley workers that are down valley, they're paying a half percent tax to Ecotransit, they're paying a half percent tax to the EVTA, and they're also paying a fare to ride the bus to get up here. And those are the people we're trying to help out. Um, and as far as Larry, nothing against you, but uh, SPS saying they're going to have drivers, they're trying to hire drivers in valley for $4 less than Ecotransit and less than other places here, Avon and Town of Vale. Plus, they don't offer housing and they have to have CDL. Which, I mean, they can say all they want about bringing drivers here, but like, where are they going to come from? Like, they're not going to, if you can, and even if they bring the drivers, they're going to come here at $23 an hour and then be like, oh, wait, I can go to Town of Vale for 29 Like, psh, just saying. Peace. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else in the room that would like to speak with us? Hi, um, Kristen Hartel again, H A R T E L. Um, I just have two kind of questions, comments. Um, I so appreciate all the background that's going into this. I know there's a lot of data, data and research and work going in, um, and I appreciate the perspective of kind of like the crawl, walk, run, figure out what works before we launch everything and have a lot of angry people around that 
things aren't, routes aren't working well. Um, so my couple questions are, there was a point about if we do a 50% cost reduction, that the increased service um, or ridership that will happen from Down Valley is too much to support um, with that 50% on our existing infrastructure. So doesn't that in and itself show the need for increased infrastructure mm -hmm. and routes serving Eagle? If we're saying that we're gonna reduce the cost by 50%, that that's gonna bring on too many people for us to handle, that's the goal of the EVTA is to bring on more passengers. So if that's our sticking front that, oh, we can't do that because there's too many people, well, shouldn't that, the ch shouldn't that be the, the challenge, the focus of, okay, how do we accommodate all those people um, if that's kind of what the end goal is? Uh, my second question is, there were a couple comments um, and notes on the slide about this 25% cost decrease or 50% cost decrease creating basically a, a cost to the EVTA or impacting the budget to the EVTA or we're subsidizing that. But again, isn't that the purpose of the EVTA? So the website says that the creation of the EVTA also authorized a half penny sales tax specifically to fund the operations of future services. So if this is being communicated as a budget deficit or an impact to the budget because we're decreasing the cost by 25%, again, isn't that why the EVTA was formed? Isn't that what we're paying with our sales tax, our half penny sales tax to have that 25% decrease in fare fee or 50% decrease or fare, or fare free ride? Um, isn't that what the point of the sales tax is to fund. Um, so there's just a two couple comments, questions. Again, I just want to say thank you. I know it's not an easy process or job. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for your comments. Um, do we have anyone on Zoom interested in speaking? No one on Zoom. Okay. Um, I would, before we get to our deliberations, Tanya, can you reiterate the um, one of the purposes of doing a small, limited, fare-free route is for us to actually understand how the fare-free is going to impact our community so we can be totally prepared, whether it's next year or the year after, as we implement fare-free. And can you elaborate on that? You've, you've, we've discussed that numerous times. Sure, yeah. So uh, the first thing I would say is we know that there's a service need down there. Like, there's no questioning there's a service need down there. And there's no questioning that part of why we've brought this group together is to start trying to meet that service need. The challenges in meeting the service need today, staffing, equipment, um, we simply don't have it. If we had those people on the buses, they wouldn't be on the buses, they'd be standing out in the cold because we couldn't get them on there. And so that's why we're trying to be careful and managing increases and, and managing increases to places where they can be accommodated and then figuring out how do we build a system that can accommodate them going forward. You know, the assumptions we're making about ridership increase right now are based on planning assumptions about what's called fare elasticity, which is, you know, just the wonky term for the impact that having any sort of reduction has on um, the response of some behavior to some sort of change. Um, and you know, the modeling that we did for the fare-free system as part of the ballot initiative showed us that were we to change frequencies and remove fares, we would be looking at that 50% plus increase. We don't know if that's true. You know, we know what other systems have seen. Um, they did their best to bring in information from other systems. And part of what we're interested in doing too with kind of a smaller scale pilot is actually kind of calibrating those expectations. You know, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's 35%. And if it's 35%, we don't need to be, ha we don't need quite as many buses before we can get there. We can get there a little bit sooner um, and have, and 
doing this on at least some part of our system does enable us to test it. Um, we actually did a test previously on the Vail Beaver Creek circulator. Um, two winters ago, we moved it from being a $7 fare, where it really was positioned as a skier shuttle, to a regular $4 fare, meaning that anyone could use their regular pass. Um, to pay that fare. And what we found is that the usage of pass holders on that system really did spike. And it actually exceeded some of the expectations we had based on that kind of modeling um, for what that kind of fare reduction would show. Um, so doing these things on a small scale can be really useful, can contribute to that longer scale planning. Um, and that's another reason why we believe it's worth moving forward with this at this time and have been committed to it. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, at this point, I do believe you need direction from the ba the board as to if we are going to approve the recommended $1 decrease in fare and the decreases in the past prices, um, or do we want to do something other than the $1? Is that your request? Um, the request really is to approve or not approve that that 25% reduction today. Um, I will pull, there is a revised winter fair schedule in your packet, which would be the winter fair schedule that we would publish um, with this season's map. And if you could just tell us yeah, sorry, which I'm gonna page. Pull it up right so here. Dave says it's page 47. Perfect. Um, yep, here we go. Does any member of the board have any discussion before at this point, or any further questions? And I just do want to clarify, as you'll see on this fare schedule, we do already have reduced fares for certain groups. Those fares are not changing. The 25% cut is for those regular fares and, and pass prices, including the employer bulk pass. It's just based on this board's um, feedback. The last meeting, we just did a straight 25%, making some adjustments for um, the practicality of, of handing over cash. I'm telling you, uh, so in, in with the um, people that are, that are buying a season's worth of whatever the term is for the pass, uh, I'm, I'm seeing youth and seniors and so forth. Does, I'm assuming that's a 25% discount as well? So those are those already discounted passes that we would not discount. Okay. For example, our youth pass is um, $25. That's an annual pass. $30 if you get a hard copy of the pass, $25 for the mobile pass. Our senior pass is the same. Those prices would remain the same because they're already heavily discounted. There's probably no way to do this, but... Um just keep in mind that by doing this across the board, we're still rewarding gypsum who voted no. So I just want to make sure we're thinking about that as we move forward. Yes, I think I know you're painfully aware of that, as are some folks, but I also believe we're working within the limitations we have. Earl, did you have some comments? Uh, sorry. It's okay. Does anyone else have any questions or comments? Do we have a motion to approve? I move that we approve the prepared, proposed fair schedule effective November 26, 2023 as presented in the board packet. Second. Could I have a roll call vote? Do we have a vote from Director Amy Phillips from yes. Town of Avon? Do we have a vote for Director Dave Eihold from Beaver Creek Metro District? Yes. 
Do we have a vote for Director Dini McQueenie from Eagle County? Yes. Do we have a vote for Director Earl Bides from Town of Mentor? Yes. Do we have a vote for Director Nick Sunday from Town of Eagle? Yes. Do we have a vote for Director Dana Jasic from Town of Redcliffe? Yes. Do we have a vote for Director Barry Davis from Town of Bell? Yes. Thank you, that passes unanimously. Now we're on to our uh, next item, which is our proposed 2024 budget. Um, and Tanya, as we start talking through this, um, I wanna make sure we all are understanding that this is our preliminary proposed budget, which does need to, by state statute, be presented. And then we have up until which date to update this budget? We've December 15th is the official adoption and submission date to DOLA. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what we do today is going to be preliminary. We will have a meeting on November, the, the second Tuesday, Wednesday in November, as well as the second Wednesday in December before final adop adoption, correct? Correct. And um, this is for budgeting purposes, and some of these items will actually have further action um, and approval by the board before we actually contract or spend any of that money, correct? Correct. Okay, excellent. Amy? Yes, go ahead. I have a, a question of Tanya and Larry, um, which sort of bridges the agenda item we just approved and the one we're about to wade into. And now that um, SP Plus is virtually under contract for the Vail Beaver Creek Express, it has, have we had discussion with them about instituting an uh, Eagle Vail Transit Express? And, you know, because it would, you know, it would relieve some of the pressure that is going to be created by a fair reduction. And you know, it gets service bringing those folks down valley who the people up valley want to see every day at starting time. So where are we? So we did start vetting some of those and I'll let Larry give a, a few more details, but based on the timing, the time we have, some of the characteristics of the way our schedule is currently built, um, we concluded it was not feasible for this winter season, but it is feasible as a component of that contract moving forward. So Larry, I don't know if you wanna add anything to that. No, that, that's exactly right. Um, looking at that through staff uh, who have a vast amount of experience in our local transit policies and local transit riders, it did not work to put one or two trips on that express as a free service, nor did it work to put one or two trips on that SP service at this time. That's one of those things that we really want to plan out, make work, uh, and that's why we wrote the contract with SP Plus that we can easily add those if we can come up with a feasible way to do that. At this point, uh, we were unable to do that. In your sense that we might have the ability to come up with such a plan given more time to think about it? My, my sense is that that plan would probably have to be all of that service versus partial part of that service. What do you mean all of so that service? So we, we operate six trip, six trips, right? Thank you. 
we operate six trips on that express bus. So to which express bus? Maybe we're not talking about the same ones. Um, well, what we talked about last meeting was yeah. a bus that started in Eagle, right. made a stop at Freedom Park. We're talking the same bus. Made a stop at Avon, made a stop at the Transit Center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we make six trips on that. Well, we make four trips on that right now. And adding two would make six trips. And we were talking about adding those two on SP+. Plus. Um, but what I'm saying is, in the future, one of the things we are looking at, and I don't, please, and I'm not committing to this, I'm just saying another, another option we're looking at to see if it would work is if SP Plus would operate all of those trips. But we still have some issues with some of those trips starting in, in gypsum. Well, some do. I'm yeah. talking about a different, <laughs> a different bus that doesn't start in gypsum, but starts in yeah. Eagle. Yeah, we looked at that. And you know, if we're fretting about being able to load all the, de the demand on available buses, yeah. wouldn't a couple of extra buses help? Looking at it from one angle, you would think, yes, it would help. I would but, think that, yes. Wow, well, so did we. Uh, but when you work into that and where our buses are interlined with other routes, once they get done with that, they go to another route. It just uh, was not able to be done. Am, am I saying it can never be done? No, of course not. I, I've never said that in my life. Um, I like looking at things. We are looking at things. Uh, but we want to do it at the right speed. And we were just not ready to do that. Sorry. Just a thought on that. First of all, gypsum's a bad word in this place. <laughs> well, uh, did you notice I turned when I said <laughs> <laughs> But just a thought on that. If, with the free Avon Vail shuttle, does it even need to go to Vail? Couldn't the Express just go to Avon with 20-minute shuttles to Vail and you just switch buses? It could save some money. Just a thought. Thank you. Again, this is new to all of us here. Um, it... Ideas never hurt. In fact, I don't know if you remember my conversation with about Lance, our IT guy, who came up to me and said, hey, don't we rebuild buses? And we now refurbish buses. So all ideas count, all ideas come in and, and work. If it's possible to make that solution help, mm -hmm. I think we should figure out a way to make I, it help this season. I, I agree with that. I agree. And again, that's why we wrote that SP contract with the ability to do that. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Earl? I'm, I'm getting the feeling that there's a lot more complications in this than uh, we think as laymen. Um, and uh, it probably has something to do with the interconnectedness of the system itself. Um, so they've been very forthcoming uh, coming with other solutions with uh, problems that we don't see that they do and they've come through for us on that. Uh, but I have a feeling that since they aren't able to come through with us on this, that they could create the same kind of problems I had just mentioned a few minutes ago. Thank you for that, Jeannie. Yeah, so I, I think this goes back to a conversation we, I was trying to suggest we have uh, last month when we met. But I, I feel as if we need some training as board. How do we represent our... Um, 
our municipality or unincorporated Eagle County and be on this board. And, and so just some, some general board training of how we can work together to be supportive and to have sort of a, a unified voice. But it also is about what is our strategic plan? Because as you said last time, Dave, when I said, you know, we should, this should be sort of part of our, our strategic plan. You said every, you, these are all ideas from our strategic plan. Absolutely. Everything is in our strategic plan, but our strategic plan needs some sort of timeline to it as well. And so I think we need to spend some time. I know that, um, that we could find some people to facilitate like a, a, a mini training for us, a, a little training, and I don't know how much work it would be <laughs> to staff to, to think about. Um, you know, how do we have some more time? We had that one half day <laughs> to sort of come up with the mission and vision and our strategic goals, but I think we need to revisit that and, um, and, and put some timeline to it. Totally agree. Uh, it's on the agenda for January. It's on the agenda for January. I did not know that. Because somebody had suggested to me they could do some training next month as well. So um, well, I think I have it on there as a, a possible, uh, uh, in my sort of upcoming topics, things I'm thinking about, I'd, I'd put that? a placeholder in there. I don't know if January is a good time. I thought after we got through budget season and this, this winter. Yeah. Um, but we're keep we could rehashing it, but, these things. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I personally feel as if we need to get to it sooner than January, just because we keep sort of rehashing this and, and I do well, I do and appreciate, I agree. So, sooner is better but I do appreciate you, Nick your your position about gypsum but I will re remind everyone that they are paying their MR, MRGs um, well they're paying uh, for the service they were receiving in 2022 right they are paying they continue to put in their budget what they were contributing to MRGs. Everyone else has taken it out of their budget because now it's being paid by the RTA. So there is a way that if we want to um, start transportation in gypsum and bring it all the way to Vail to, to set up a, a contract with gypsum and, and see if they want to participate in additional um, with additional revenue. I, I just think this is the kinds of conversations that we can't have um, you know, just in the middle of a meeting. Thank you for that. Earl, did you have something yeah, to share? Just one more comment. Um, I'm sure everybody on the board, uh, when they were laying out um, to their communities what we were planning on doing, uh, I know that I did, uh, is that the system was going to take 18 to two, 18 months to two years before we could be anywhere near fully operational. There's a lot of complications to what's going on, and we're building it as fast as we can. But do understand um, that this is going to take a few, a few more months. So just ask for a little patience, and we're going to do the best we can to, I mean, to me, my number one goal is to get Eagle online um, as far as that. But we until we can get to that point where inventory and drivers and all the complications uh, that they have to deal with. Just a little patience and we'll get there. Thank you for that. Um, Tanya, would you, would you like to go ahead with the 2024 budget presentation? 
Absolutely. Uh, so as you're all aware, as a public entity, a Colorado special district, we are required to submit a budget um, to the state. October 15th is our deadline for submitting it first as a draft to this board. Um, so what you'll see today is, as Amy mentioned, a very preliminary budget. Um, the budget this year is being developed in dialogue with Eagle County in real time as they go through their budgeting process and because we're trying to figure out how we're working on some of these transition pieces, how we're moving things from one, one area to the other, and how we're assigning some costs or identifying where we thought we might assign a cost but don't have a mechanism and recognize we need to develop a mechanism before we can assign a cost. So it's, a, it's, it's been an interesting process. Um, quickly, I'll go through guidelines that we're, we're running or, and assumptions that we're running with, budgeted revenues and expenditures by fund, um, summary of fund balances, and then some of the key dates in the budget cycle. As far as guidelines, I went over these at the last meeting, but just a refresher. Generally, we're assuming sales tax revenue to be level with 2023. That's consistent with Eagle County's assumptions. Um, you do see both EVTA sales tax reflected and Ecotransit sales tax reflected. Eco sales tax shows up in the EVTA budget as a full transfer of that portion of the sales tax that Eagle County is allocating to transit. Um, it flows back out um, based on services Eagle County may continue to provide or things that we pay directly to Eagle County um, to support continuing transit service. And that can be things like lease for, leases for continuing use of operating um, and fee and costs that Eagle County pays to continue operating the system before the point where it formally transfers over to EVTA. Um, with respect to that, what we've basically assumed right now is that existing Ecotransit operating expenses, so those expenses that will one day be assumed by the EVTA, that that, that transfer will come somewhere in the middle of um, 2024. So for budgeting purposes right now, we're going with a 50-50 split on anything that's unique to operating expenses. Um, so 50% of it's showing up in the EVTA budget, 50% of it will show up in the Ecotransit budget. Um, we all recognize that this is a guess, that there's a lot of work we're still doing and that that could shift one way or the other once we are able to finalize and refine when some of these things can actually change hands. Um, other things that I did assume is that all existing Ecotransit positions will transfer in some way, shape, or form. Some of them might look different. Some of them might look modified. There will also be additional positions that are unique to EVTA that are not replicated within the Ecotransit structure. Um, there is one function that lives within the current Ecotransit department. That's the trails maintenance function. That function will currently, um, that's a shared function between transit and trails. That function is intended, is expected to stay with Eagle County through 2024 with some back charge for transit specific, um, transit specific elements. In terms of FTE numbers, again, we started with that um, Eagle County with a slight expansion. So general fund budgeted revenues, the total revenue when you combine both that EVTA sales tax and that eco, sales, eco transit sales tax number is over $24 million. Um, kind of a 50-50 split between EVTA and the eco transit transfers as well as some fair revenues, um, some interest income on the money that we've been collecting but have not yet, um, have not yet allocated um, as well as some minor, minor advertising funds. We're not currently budgeting any grant revenue. There may be opportunities right now. The grant revenue that sits with Ecotransit is contracted to Ecotransit that will stay um, with Ecotransit through that 2024 year. 
budgeted expenditures. Um, you know, again, some of these are, are paper expenditures. So the total over 17 million, the biggest thing you see is that purchase transportation number. That purchase transportation number basically captures the amount, it captures that 50% operating cost that's gonna show up in the Eagle County budget. Um, it also captures the approximately um, $1.2 million that we would be paying to SP plus for this winter's, for this, for, for that calendar, that 2024 calendar year um, under the basis of our contract. The other big expenditures you see are um, wages and benefits. And that again, that's roughly 50%. Um, there's kind of the matching figure on the Eagle County side um, as with, with some adjustments for, for new personnel. Um, the way we came up with that number, recognizing we don't have a full wage structure and benefits package is we just, we use the Eagle County calculator. You know, I think there's one thing that we've heard from this board is the intent is to be as good, if not better for our employees as Eagle County. Um, and so we're starting with an assumption of that same level of benefits using that calculator um, to at least get us in the right area. And this is another place where as we are able to refine what those are, we'll be able to refine these numbers um, and get a better sense of what they look like. The other big costs you see in the budget, and these are 50-50 um, splits, are things along the lines of vehicle fueling and maintenance, um, and then consulting and other purchase services. And so this is, this is an aggregated number from multiple different consulting line items that we have in the budget associated with different departments. The bulk of it is a seven, potentially $700,000 project, which would be that 10-year capital development plan. Um, we budgeted $200,000 for it in this 2023 budget with a hope that we would be able to move forward with it in this calendar year. Um, that was a placeholder number. I've been working with the consultants we have um, on the scope of work to better price what that looks like and the recommendation that they've given me for something of that scope, scale, timeline for the kind of project we're undertaking is, is more in the range of $700,000. Um, other consulting items are um, not specific line items right now, but they're related to HR, benefits, um, financial systems, IT. So we're working on refining those numbers, but do expect, you know, again, as a small organization with a lot of um, a lot of decisions to make, we will be leaning heavily on some outside expertise to help us identify solutions um, and implement solutions as we move forward. The other big expense is really not an expense per se. It is a transfer. There are transfers over. We've set up four different funds, a transit capital fund, an air fund, and a housing fund in, additional, in addition to the general fund. Um, and so transfers out of the general fund will go out each year. Um, I think this is something that as we grow and develop, we'll probably have formal policies about how much. Um, but there's nothing stated in the ballot initiative. You know, we don't have... Uh, there's no specific numbers associated with these other funds, nor is there a specific assignment of these funds. Um, and so that will be a year-to-year -year decision, both how we allocate that money um, and how we choose to move it in or out of those funds at the end of every year if it's not spent. So the second, um, the second of these funds beyond the general fund is the transit capital fund. So this is a fund that we want to make sure we're always setting aside every year an appropriate amount of money to be um, acquiring new vehicles and or replacing our fleet. Um, the current number we've recommended putting in there for 2024 is $1,725,000 and, and $725,088. Um, that is based on some calculations that we've done 
Um, we do have five hybrid buses purchased this year to arrive next year, so we don't expect to actually be paying for any buses next year because those buses that are coming next year are funded from EcoTransit. But as we look ahead um, to 2025, we do expect to need five additional buses. And so what we're doing is we're starting to put the money in the fund to be ready to pay for those buses. We've made a really conservative estimate of um, how much of those buses we're paying for. So, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with how we generally buy transit buses, we do our best to find as much grant funding as possible. When you find grant funding, it can be um, oftentimes 80% of the cost of that vehicle is paid for by the grant or up to 90% depending on the grant program. Um, However, we can't always get grant funding and we can't always get grant funding so for as many vehicles as we need. Um, so we like to make a realistic estimate that allows us to say, yes, you know, grant funding will come in some years in bigger or smaller amounts, won't come in in other years, but every year we're gonna need a certain number of buses to make sure that our, our fleet is, is um, in place and up to date. So this is where we expect to park that money, have that money live um, and be able to use it for grant match and or for those direct purchases when we need to make it. May I at this point? Sure. Um, I'm going to recommend that we be even more conservative. I mean, we can have a deeper discussion at the next budget committee meeting, but um, given what we know on lead times and order times and the, 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 the amount that equipment costs are going up and the fact that not only do we need more buses, but I bet we need a bunch of other vehicles going around. I, I would assume for budget purposes and being prepared to buy things when we need to buy them, um, we assume zero, uh, zero grant money and we also you know, put somewhere between two and a half and three million dollars in the transit fund in 24. Thank you for that input. Earl, did you have a question? Yeah, I had a quick question. Now, we, we went to hybrids for our first order of buses due to, one, our concern about the functionality of electric buses from our Proterra uh, experience. Um, I'm on the Climate Action Collaborative, and uh, they, I brought this up to them, and I didn't bring up the Proterra because I wasn't sure there wasn't, at this time, maybe some better EVs coming down the pipeline. But they thought the concern is mainly battery charging because uh, they, they, we obviously need a strong access and perhaps better, faster charging mechanisms, I'm not sure. But um, um, Kim Lang made, uh, Mayor Vale, had brought up the fact that Vale's made a decision to stock EV batteries uh, for their bus system. And they're going to have over 600 spares available, and she mentioned that they would be happy to share if that helps anything. So that's all I had to say. We have Director Davies on Zoom that would like to speak. Earl, did you have any more before we hear from uh, Director Barry? Just, just that if, if, if we could work with, uh, um, with Vale and the Collaborative, perhaps the next round of orders, which are coming up, we'll order them next year is my, what I'm saying, that we might reconsider possibly getting some EVs. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I had a, I think Dave brought up an interesting point, and I was wondering if Tanya could maybe elaborate on the uh, historical, uh, uh, looking back, that grant funding, how, how, how sure, I just wonder if we can be, have a little color to that historically and looking forward, um, because I think Dave brings up an, an interesting concern. 
So generally what we've seen is we can kind of count on every year we'll get one, two buses from CDOT almost guaranteed. Um, they have a portion of their funding is formula funding. So that funding comes to the state every year to support local transit. CDOT is usually pretty good about figuring out how do they dole it out to everyone who has a need. Um, and for us, that usually results in somewhere in the range of one to two buses on an annual basis that we're fairly confident that we're gonna get. Um, where we see big differences is for example with um, you know, the new Infrastructure Act with previous rounds of transportation funding, periodically with each year's appropriation, there is, well, every five years they, up, first of all, every five years they update the, the overall um, transportation funding bill. And so that changes kind of the, the ceilings on how much money might, be might theoretically be allocated to the grants. Um, and then every year through the federal appropriation cycle, um, they decide exactly how much of that ceiling they're willing to appropriate. And so for example, in this past year, we saw a lot of money, a lot of new money, an unusual level of money that was out there and available um, for vehicles and equipment and infrastructure. But that money is, is a lot less reliable. So I think in going through our calculations, we tend to think, yeah, one to two is a pretty fair bet. Um, but anything beyond that, it's kind of a roll of the dice, but part of what makes us most competitive when those opportunities do come around is having money allocated in that account um, to be able to show, hey, we've already got this money, it's sitting here, it's waiting and ready to be a match for that grant funding. And the other thing that I don't think we've really cranked, maybe we'd have, but, but that we really haven't cranked into our equipment planning is that if we are as wildly successful as we fear we will be, um, we're going to need a lot more buses than on just a replacement basis. So add that to the pile of uh, capital requirements. Thank you for that. I had one other comment uh, regarding Earl's comments on bail storage of electric batteries. Um, I had some questions about that. Is that something that I have not been informed of? I don't know what you and Mary Lang may discuss, but I'm communicating with someone on our team. And uh, I'm going to ask that you let me look into that further because uh, I'm not sure we have complete information. Perhaps I revealed something that, that Kim had said that I shouldn't have. But that said, uh, maybe give Kim a call. And if so, send my apologies. <laughs> Thank you for that. Barry, did you have any other um, budget-related questions at this point? Um, so are we done with the budget presentation? Oh, no. There's more. Okay. Let's <laughs> keep on going, okay. and we will take public input after we get through the entire presentation and before we have council discussion for direction. Okay, so our next fund is Air Fund. This is that allocation towards minimum revenue guarantees that Chris Spon Romer spoke about earlier. As he mentioned, based on the opportunities that they think they might have materializing this year, they're requesting that we allocate $800,000 in the budget. Um, you may remember that in 2023, we allocated 1.2 million towards that. Um, based on the previous conversations surrounding the ballot, of, ballot initiative um, as a reminder as to how these work. Um, right now you see that 1.2 million in the budget 
because Chris has informed us there's nothing going this year, that 1.2 million will at the end of the year go back into the general fund and be part of that general fund money. Every year we'll look at it and reevaluate um, what the opportunities are, how much we want to allocate, and then that money is there and available for the EG Air Alliance to use in, market, in, in searching for these guarantees, um, but ultimately becomes this board's decision as to whether or not to uh, agree to actually pay out. I'd, I'd vote for another bus. <laughs> Um, the fourth fund is the housing fund. We're still working a little bit about how to structure this one, um, and you'll see especially in the more detailed outline of the budget you have, we're still working on how to make some of these accounts um, line up and look right. But the philosophy here is that, you know, based on this board's direction, we recognize that hiring and housing have to come together. You know, if we're going to build an organization that can attract and retain staff and really build um, the way we want to build in this community, we have to make sure we have a place for people to land and a place for people to grow. Um, and part of that is investing in housing. Um, we've seen over the last couple of seasons, we've started to get more rental and leased housing. Um, we do expect that EVTA will take over some of that from um, Ecotransit over the coming year. Like the, the, house, the, the, the housing that's leased directly will probably start to bring over to EVTA and start managing some of those leases. Um, so you see that reflected in the housing fund. You know, we also um, intend to begin stocking this fund, much like the transit capital fund, you know, thinking of a, a good amount to move over on an annual basis to have it there, um, to be ready to invest in opportunities, whether those opportunities turn out to be things like master leases or whether they are opportunities for partnership with other entities that may be moving forward um, and building housing projects. So again, baseline number until we can sort of move into further development of, of philosophy and approach around all these funds. You know, last year at the end, at, at our mid-year at the supplemental, we moved a, a million dollars into the housing fund, um, just in case something became available that we wanted to jump on before the end of the year. Um, for the 2024 budget, I'm showing that million dollars as staying in the housing fund and beginning to build um, a bit of a reserve, as well as bringing over a new million dollars. And so those are the numbers um, that you see there. And that's, again, that's something where, you know, there would be no outlay of these funds without a board decision, um, particularly at, at those higher levels um, for leases and, and so on, um, as well as the board can think moving forward as to um, the philosophy on whether or not funds stay in that account and at what level. But I'm assuming, you know, similar to the transit capital fund, um, we'll start out keeping those funds in um, for following years. Okay, Dave, you have a question? Um, a comment. Um, I'm fine with doing as you propose, but it's really critical, vital, essential that we have a board discussion about what sort of um, strategic stance we take with regard to housing and uh, how much of it we need, how we'll manage it, uh, what's on the acceptable list and what is not on the acceptable list. And it's identified as a possible topic for November's board meeting and, and whether it's in November or, or January, um, again, sooner is better. Agreed. Thank you for that. Earl? Just a real quick question. Um, this goes under just spitballing. Uh, is the idea of perhaps trying to partner with a project that's already underway just to get something a little bit quicker. Thank you for that. Um, do you have more? 
I met Tanya. <laughs> Just the last is this, the summary. Um, so as part of the budget packet, you will see, oops, um, you will see, hello, what just happened? Um, you will see an attempt to kind of get everything lined up. And again, we're still working on a format and structure to make sure that this is readable and has the information you need. Um, but what this really tries to show is, you know, what's in the fund, um, what's in the various funds, what those total numbers are across the board, um, what is staying in fund balance for future use. Um, we did um, identify a 25% operating reserve for the general fund and make sure we kind of pulled that aside. Um, and out of the available fund balance at the end of the year. So that'll be a component of the, the overall budget packet that we submit as well. Thank you for that. Um, I will open for public comment in just a few, just a couple of minutes. Does anyone have any other questions regarding this before we go into deliberation on it? Um, just as a reminder, we have two more meetings before this gets completely finalized. Um, and Dave did mention having a finance committee, a, a finance subcommittee meeting that will happen between this meeting and the next. Part of the challenge of the very first year is that um, we have to kind of follow the Eagle County budget process um, with regard to both how the intricacies between Ecotransit and the Transit Authority will work next year and as well as revenue sources that are coming from not just Eagle County but every entity up at this board because we are all finalizing our budgets. Um, I did also want to point out that the plan is also to make budget amendments on a regular scheduled basis, on a quarterly basis as we move through 2024, which I think gets to possibly a way to manage um, grant funding, that just knowing we, we will have those opportunities once grants are more concrete, to update that as well. Um, so with that, are there any other questions before I open public comment? Okay, at this point, we would love to hear from the public with regard to our budget. Tim again, uh, just actually a couple quick things. One, uh, doesn't subcontracting cost us more money than just using our existing drivers and buses? Like if we use the money to buy houses and then we have more drivers, more mechanics, I don't know. Um, and then, let's see, two other things. One, I don't know if you guys know, I know Larry's heard about it. Um, there is a lot of eco bus drivers that are talking about a walkout during Christmas week because they are upset with the lack of communication coming from this board and they have no idea what's going to happen with benefits. They have no idea about what's going on with any of this. Um, so just a heads up for you guys. And then maybe like let's stop trying to like push all these business ideas until we get like more employees and staff rather than trying to rush stuff and you know do a botched job and then we end up having to live with it for a three year contract with SPS plus and you know where are they gonna get the drivers so that's it thank you for having me thank you very much for that um we have joanna kerwin on zoom that would oh. like to make a comment okay joanna, joanna go, ahead. go ahead thank you can you hear me okay we can okay great thank you again joanna kerwin um this is a personal public comment not representing any board um 
I, I really I appreciate what Commissioner McQueenie said about, you know, sitting down and doing a strategic plan. And I hope that you guys can do this before January. Look at your calendars and, and carve out some time because my concern is when the Air Alliance comes to you guys in January, February and asks for eight hundred thousand dollars. And, and you guys grant that, and the public is still sitting here saying, well, what's going on? What is the plan? What are they doing? What are they doing about housing? What are they doing about, you know, the free fare zone? So I just think it would make the board and the entire RTA look better if you had a strategic planning meeting and was able to communicate that to the public before January. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you for that. Are there any other members of the public either in the room or on Zoom that would like to comment to the board? With that, um, do we need a motion and approval for this budget? Or this is just a, the statutory requirement is that you present a budget to this board for consideration. Oh, thank yeah, you. <laughs> there she is. I should say something. Yeah. No, it's just a presentation to the board. Um, and so it's actually December 31 is the deadline to submit the budget to the state since you don't have a mill levy, a property tax, you have a sales tax. Um, uh, we will come back, I think, at the December meeting for a formal budget hearing. And so you'll have a public hearing with that where you get you know, obviously input from the public on that. And we will publish notice of that, too, in the newspaper. Well, thank you very much. It's always nice to have the lawyers make sure we're staying on the straight you and narrow. Perfectly on track. Um, with that, does anyone have any other comments for the subcommittee regarding this budget and um, things we might want to think about or consider before our next meeting? Okay, excellent. Looks like we're on to the next topic. So that is Bill Ray. You're up. Thank you for sitting here and being so patient with us. Oh, it was a great meeting today. A lot of great information that we're going to be working to get out to the public. Um, we, Tanya and I, worked together to um, have a story in the Vale. <clears throat> excuse me. The Vale Daily recently about this work going on around the fare reduction, the um, Vale Beaver Creek uh, program, and other things that we're working on here at the EVTA. We'll be working to take the decisions made today, um, include those in our communications outreach. Um, I'm actually came a little early to meet with Chris Romer so we could talk about ways that he and the Vail Valley Partnership can help expand our communications out to the community so we are being more uh, responsive, more communicative about when we have our board meetings, what actions are taken, and different things like that. So we're learning and growing as well on the public information side. Thank you for that. Um, does anyone have any questions for Mr. Ray? Sorry, I keep uh, doing this, but uh, Bill just reminded me of something I usually do when I see a big crowd out there, and unfortunately most of them have left, but it's great for you guys to take the time to do what you're doing, because that helps us 
make better decisions. And so thank you all, and please relate it to everybody that's already left. I appreciate it. Thank you for that. Um, Tanya, it looks like we have the executive director update and future topics, and we're only 10 minutes over, so I'm pretty good with that. Well, and I'll make it real quick, um, just to focus on our November meeting. So what I've got on the agenda right now is um, review of 24 budget, 2024 budget, if there's things we need to bring to the board prior to that adoption and public hearing. Um, it is our November meeting, so our quarterly meetings, we like to do a more a deeper dive into eco-transit performance and metrics. So we'll expect to have that um, deeper dive. Also, discussions on housing strategy, uh, health insurance and retirement benefit options. Um, I hope to be able to bring some proposals to the board um, or at least some, some things to the board for discussion at that November meeting as well. So that sounds like we've got just three pretty meaty topics for, we've got housing, employee benefits, and what was the third? Uh, Ecotransit performance. And, okay. Yeah. But, and and yeah. budget, but yeah. some of that will depend on you know, what we, we need to bring forward from the committee. So again, we've got a, a fairly full meeting um, December right now. The only thing I've got listed is that budget adoption. So um, we can shift things around as well. And I've got notes for strategic plan review um, and the need to, to revisit that in the near future. So we can also look at some finding some time. I don't know whether, you know, and I'll just throw this question out to the board, whether it makes sense to try and find another half day sometime in November, December, like while we're in budget season, um, recognizing that this may inform some of that final voting, or um, I recognize it's also a very busy time of the year with everyone else's municipal budgets. So just looking for a little direction as far as um, what people think is feasible, and then I can get to work trying to pull it together. I, I personally think that if we have those three meaty items um, on the November meeting, that possibly the December meeting become a strategic update and budget approval. That's just one thought. Um, I'm not sure how many people are going to be able to find that extra half day, though it's important. But I think the nuts and bolts that we're talking about are um, at least two of them will be addressed at that at our November meeting. Um, Jeannie, did you have some thoughts? So I, I, I would like to, in addition to the strategic planning review or, or whatever we're going to call that, um, think about board training and how we operate as a board because I think there's, there's we, we made promises with the ballot question and, and we keep bringing ideas to this group that were not part of that uh, ballot question. And so I think that we get in a little bit of trouble that way and we kind of, and the Collaborative Action Committee has great ideas um, and we did, we did have some pieces in the, the ballot question about um, making some commitment there, but it gets a little bit messy in terms of what we're hearing in our individual communities, what in our different committees, and, and how we're going to operate as a board, and how we're going to communicate together. So I think that's a different topic, but it, it could go very well with strategic planning. Thank you for that. Does anyone else have any comments or anything for the good of the group? Okay, with that, we are adjourned at 2.14 p.m.